0: Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. I hope everyone is having a lovely day and a lovely week, and I hope everyone's Ostara plans are coming along nicely. I think we have maybe four days, five days, something like that um left to get our ducks in a row and then right on the heels of the equinox we have the new moon on the 21st which coincides with the sun moving into aries and then we have a penumbral eclipse on saturday the 25th and all of this is just to say these skies are about to get buck wild this energy is going to be all over the place So let's just buckle up and hold on tight. We are going to talk about the Celtic tree calendar and also the Celtic OM alphabet. And we'll get into what all that means and how we can use this knowledge to our advantage. And that's going to be a fun topic for discussion, I think. But first, I want to read an email. I'm still getting emails from witches in response to the past lives and reincarnation episode from back on February 23rd, and I'm just loving all of these messages. There are so many past life regression stories that I find so intriguing. Um, and I wanted to read this one out. I had my son in 2009 and I always said he saved my life. I was suicidal and self-destructive, but he gave me purpose. Every single morning of the pregnancy, I had a panic attack in the shower, terrified that I was going to lose him. I didn't even know what a panic attack was at that time, or connect what I was physically feeling to my anxious thoughts. When I was in the late stage of pregnancy, I had a lot of fear around his birth. Irrationally, I didn't want him to leave my womb because I knew he was safe there. My body responded in kind. He was late and I had to be induced. We have had a strong connection and deep love that continues even now that he is 13 and individuating into his peer group. Also, I have always had a love of books and reading. It was a sacred escape from childhood trauma as well as a source of learning and I am most happy as a perpetual student. One special interest of mine has been ancient Greek theology. It just lit a spark in me when I first learned about it in sixth grade, and I've always had an affinity for Aphrodite in particular. In 2020, I had a QHHT session, and that uh, sounds, stands for Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique. This was uh, developed by Dolores Cannon, who was a pioneering regressive hypnotherapist, um, but I digress. Uh, And I learned during the session that I was a priestess in ancient Greece. I could see large stone steps and went inside to see a library of resources. I didn't live in the temple. I had a small home and a young son. I could sense the soul of the child, and I knew it was Tavish, the same soul I have as the son in this lifetime. During the session, when asked to go to an important event in that life, I went back to the steps, and I looked up to see it absolutely destroyed. I fell to my knees and sobbed at the desecration of the site and the loss of all the secret knowledge held within. Then I heard commotion behind me and leapt up in fear, running home to find my son and protect him. Desperately trying to navigate the chaos, I could see we were overrun with Christian barbarians, and my fear for my baby grew. As I was running to him, a large man caught me and either stabbed me in the chest or slit my throat. I'm not sure which as it happened so fast. My spirit left my body and I was hovering up above the earth. I looked like white vapor and still I was trying to get back to him, but I couldn't. I felt like this wasn't allowed. I kept trying to resist, but suddenly I was sucked into my next life in Victorian England. So this story really got to me, and, and a few things really stood out. First of all, we have the parallels between this ancient lifetime that she speaks of, and now her current lifetime. There's, of course, the preoccupation with ancient Greece and um, goddess worship, and then there's this irrational fear for her son during her pregnancy, and then their very strong bond now that he's older. But beyond that, what Really stood out to me was the struggle that this witch recalls after her violent but ultimately very quick death. She recalls being snatched so quickly from her physical body and then having this singular mindset of going back so that she could protect her son, but also having the sense that she wasn't permitted to do so. And then her next memory is one of being thrust into another lifetime in Victorian England. Now, I Did the math, and this is where it really gets interesting. So the Romans converted to Christianity in like 300 CE, roughly thereabout, and these Christianized Romans conquered Greece about a hundred years or so later. So although it would have been about 1,400 years between the Roman invasion of Greece and the beginning of this Victorian era, which is when she said she was sent to her next incarnation, it seemed like it happened so quickly from her perspective I I mean at least it reads that way that's how I understood her recollection as it was written you know she's there in Greece violently murdered struggling to get back with her complete focus on her son and then bam she's reborn in Victorian England which would have been sometime between like 1840 and 1900 so it, it makes sense to me because my understanding of reincarnation based on my own reading and my own personal experiences is that souls are not always churning through new lifetimes one right after the last. There can be and there often is a delay between one lifetime and the next for whatever reason. And then if we continue to follow the timeline that this witch gives, there can't have been too many years between the end of her Victorian lifetime and the beginning of this one. Obviously, we don't know how long she may have lived, and I don't know when she was born in this lifetime, but there is definitely a much shorter gap between the first two lifetimes that she speaks of and the two most recent. Now, what does all of this mean? I don't know, man. It's just cool. You know, all we can do is continue to try and learn as much as we can about our past lives and try to understand how they may inform our current lives and to try to figure out what we are here to learn. In the case of this witch, she feels that she and her son still have a lot to learn from one another and that they have remained uh, connected across lifetimes and continue to find each other for some greater purpose, whatever it might be. And That's really cool. And I do have one more email that I want to read, but this is a quick one. I wanted to see if you had any insight on how to improve the energy of my home. On Valentine's Day, we had a water leak that damaged my two bathrooms, basement, and part of my kitchen. The restoration company had to demo, and I am living with exposed walls and floors. Ever since this happened, I haven't been comfortable in my home. We have been given a four to six months timeline on when they can start to rebuild. I am trying to practice gratitude as this could have been so much worse, but the biggest thing I have been struggling with is that the energy of my home just feels wrong. I've tried to cleanse it, but it just doesn't seem to do the trick. Is this just my life until the rebuild is done, or is there something you would suggest? Thank you for taking the time. So... When I read this, I just immediately felt sympathy for this witch's home and I essentially told her this, homes have an energy and spirit of their own and they respond to renovations and damage the same way that we would if we were in a serious accident and had to spend a lot of time recovering and rehabilitating. To be very blunt, it sounded to me like this house is depressed so i suggested that this witch sit and have a conversation with her home and explain what's happened and how sorry she is that it's been damaged this way and how thankful she is that it continues to protect her family and just to let it know that she's working hard to get it rebuilt again and and then to just continue to talk to it from time to time and then a day or two later i got an update Good evening, Eli. I wanted to let you know that this morning, I took the time to talk to my home. I sat in the dining room, poured us some coffee, and just started talking. Funny enough, once I started, it wasn't weird at all, like talking to a friend. I explained what happened and what's next and that I'll do my best to take care of it. I even ended up apologizing for the quote, Ugh, I hate this house comments that I made when things got crazy. I don't hate my home, I just hated the condition that it was left in by the previous owners. I told my home I will take care of it and bring love to this space, and then afterward I just sat and watched the smoke from the incense that I had lit dance around up and down the walls and felt the peace and coziness envelop my home. Thank you again for suggesting it. Me and my home will be just fine. And we should all do this with our houses, in our apartments, even just our own home if we're living with roommates. We should say hello when we arrive. We should say goodnight before bed and just remember to treat our homes as we would treat a member of the family. So please keep sending me those messages and keep writing with questions you may have or comments or criticisms. I I welcome all of it through email at Eli at MiddleAgedWitch.com, on social media at, at MiddleAgedWitch, or in the Facebook group or the Discord server, which I will link in the episode description. And now with all of that housekeeping out of the way, we can get to the topic of the day. Now, while I was getting my thoughts together about this, I realized that I'm gonna have to begin at the beginning. The Celtic tree calendar is a concept that's easier to track once we have a bit of an understanding of the Celtic Oum alphabet. And if you're gonna Google it, it's spelled O-G-H-M, but it is pronounced Oum because one thing the Irish hate to do is pronounce anything phonetically. They are really committed to being difficult, and I really respect them for that. Um, But anyway, it's pronounced Oum, and so we're gonna start there. So Oum is an early medieval alphabet that was mostly used to write the early Irish language. And according to the writing conventions of the time and specifically that region, many of the letters of this alphabet correspond to certain trees. Now the Irish at this time didn't need to use this alphabet they were well familiar with the Latin alphabet and they could have used it instead. But scholars believe that Oum was developed specifically to be cryptic. In other words, the alphabet was quote created by Irish scholars or Druids for political, military, or religious reasons to provide a secret means of communication in opposition to the authorities of Roman Britain. I love that for the Irish. Um, And I'll provide links to all of the source materials of these assertions in the show notes. Um, But with that in mind, the Celtic tree calendar is based on the concept that the letters in the OM alphabet correspond to different trees. And the trees in turn correspond to a different month in the lunar cycle. Now, The possible reasons for assigning the letters to trees and then in turn assigning the trees to the months is not well documented or well understood. This alphabet was devised like 1500 years ago, so there's nobody left to ask, but whatever the reasons were... It's a very fascinating method of time reckoning, and it's an interesting addition to the many and varied astrology disciplines, and it can be used for divination as well. And we will talk about that a little bit um, later on. But first, let's run through the Celtic tree months. And while we go through these, try to find your Celtic tree sign and just see how well you feel that it lines up with your personality. So first we have the birch moon. Uh, This is the Achiever. This period begins December 24th, roughly in line with the winter solstice, and it ends January 20th. Folks born under this tree are ambitious and loving and courageous, but above all else, they are incredibly driven. The Rowan moon is next, and this moon is known as the Thinker. This period begins January 21st and ends February 17th born under this tree are intelligent and patient and influential. These are the philosophers, Um, and one thing about the Rowans is they can often feel misunderstood. The ash moon is the enchanter. This period runs from February 18th through March 17th, and someone born under this tree is very free-thinking and artistic and imaginative. The thing about the enchanters is that others tend to find them fascinating, although they can seem... Oh gosh, Uh, withdrawn and a little moody at times. And the next we have the alder. The alder moon begins March 18th and ends April 14th. This is the trailblazer. Forks, uh, forks, (laughs) folks born under this tree are especially romantic and brave and generous. These people see their goal and they find a way to make it happen. And then the willow moon runs from April 15th through May 12th. The willow is the observer and someone born during this period is known to be generally calm and intuitive and sympathetic. And another interesting thing about willows is that they are known to find meaning where others may not see it. Uh, the Hawthorn moon begins May 13th through June 9th and Hawthorne is the illusionist this person is secretive although they are a lot of fun to be around and they're quite passionate these are people who will make you look at things differently and they're really great for bouncing a situation off of if you're having trouble seeing solutions Now the oak moon begins June 10th and ends July 7th and the oak unsurprisingly is the stabilizer someone born beneath this tree would be loyal and generous and courageous oaks are going to stick up for the little guy and they're going to speak out against injustice strong Gryffindor energy with the oaks Uh, The Holly moon runs from July 8th through August 4th, and Holly is a ruler. These people are leaders, they're very confident, and they are particularly noble. The thing to look out for if you are a Holly, though, is that you don't become overly competitive, And the Hazel Moon begins August 5th and ends September 1st. Hazel is the knower. They've got crazy intelligence. They're just as confident as the Hollies, but without the conceit. These are the organizers. They're clever. They can come off as know-it-alls if you aren't ready for them. But ultimately, they're very solid friends and they're very loyal. The vine moon is next. It begins September 2nd and ends September 29th. The vine is the equalizer. This group is charming and loving and especially elegant, but they can also be super indecisive and a little bit fickle. One thing they can always do, though, is see both sides of an argument. The ivy moon begins September 30th and ends October 27th and ivy is the survivor. These people are brave, they're determined, and they're also quite kind. These are the folks who can really be put through the ringer and come out the other side completely intact. One thing you are not going to do is crush an ivy's spirit. Try as hard as you like. The Reed moon begins October 28th and ends November 23rd, and Reed is the inquisitor. Folks born during this period are compassionate, truthful, and curious, and if you need to confide in someone, find yourself a Reed because these people will never betray a confidence. And then finally, the elder moon starts November 24th and ends December 23rd. The elder is the seeker. The elder is loyal, ambitious, and thoughtful, and they are always looking for experiences. Now, some people may interpret this as thrill-seeking, but what it really comes down to for elders is a yearning for freedom. And those are the signs of the Celtic tree zodiac. Now, I didn't have time today to get too involved with the ins and outs of each tree, but you can look up Celtic tree astrology and find out so much more. And you may recall that I spoke earlier about using the OM alphabet as a divination method, so I want to expand on that really quickly. So you can either make or buy OM sets for divination. And visually, this alphabet is very striking. I love it. There are 25 symbols that make up the entire alphabet, and they're basically used just like the Futhark runes. Each symbol is given a divinatory significance, and so you can throw the staves or the sticks or the bones that the symbols are carved into and then read them just as you would read runes. Now, I don't want to mislead anybody. I am not great at reading OEM. I still lean very hard on my books to help me understand the meanings. Um, It's just like any other discipline. It just takes time. But the symbols themselves are really, really cool looking. I can't stress this enough. And I am always a proponent of learning about as many different disciplines and methods as we can, because you never know when something is going to click for you. So for some folks, it's tea leaves, for others, it's pendulums, and for still others, it's tarot. And maybe for you, it'll be Oum, you know, and maybe traditional Western astrology doesn't hit for you. And Celtic tree astrology is where it's at. And that's all. That's all I'm saying. That's where we're coming from today. It's really no more serious than that. So look into it and let me know what you think. And have a fantastic rest of your day. Have a very lovely weekend, and thank you for joining me. We'll talk again next week. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct personal professional mental or medical health care and diagnosis the information opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only